0: Um, but before I get into the word to do that, we actually have a special word from Pastor Jim Bob. Um, some of you guys know Pastor Jim Bob, some of you guys don't. He is the, the senior pastor of Chode, um, our partner and mother church. Um, and today he's given us a, a bit of a word of encouragement uh, to the elders. And so before I get into my word, uh, we're going to receive that word from Pastor Jim Bob.
1: Hello, Mosaic. Congratulations to the elder elect. Um... It's exciting to hear in the midst of all this chaos that's going on, that God raised up leaders in order to carry on the ministry. I'm so excited to hear that the congregation is behind these leaders and Pastor David, whom has given his time and effort to train you and to lead you. Now, your role as elders is to really support, to encourage, to bless one another and the congregation in order for you to bring greater joy to his kingdom. Being a good elder is not that difficult. If you are faithful to God, that's all that matters. You and God must have a solid relationship for you to carry on the duty. You can have all the leadership qualities. But if you do not have God in you, then that leadership is worthless. Even though you might not be so qualified and you might not have all the tools necessary for you to be called a great leader or a good leader, if you are solid with God, that's all that matters. We lead God's people, not by word, but by example. And so in order for you to be good elders, you need to be a good example in your spiritual journey. Serve well, and especially with Pastor David. I've seen my shares of good elders and some bad elders. And the difference is, good elders are a wonderful tool and wonderful support for the ministry. But the bad elders, they become stumbling blocks, do not ever become stumbling blocks for the kingdom of God. We are here to press on, not to step backwards. So as you go forward as ministry, Uh, There are very few ministries such as ours having this interdependent relationship with one another. We want to be an example to immigrant churches and all the other churches that this is possible. So you being the first elder elect, your role is crucial. What you and the Korean ministry, the leadership of Korean ministry does is critical, not only for our church and for Mosaic, but for the rest of the immigrant churches that are kind of trying to find a good model to make it work. So once again, I want to congratulate the elder-elect until the day of ordination. Press on and be faithful. God bless you.
0: Yeah, thank you, Pastor Jim Bob, for that word. Um, he couldn't uh, be here, unfortunately, but it's so nice that he could send that word uh, to us, and as we think about blessing our elder elects, and as you can see, for those of you who are here, you, they're not here either, um, and so we're going to have them join uh, via Zoom at the end of our service, but um, as we kind of go to that moment, I have a word actually from Joshua uh, that I want to bring to you all, so this is Joshua 1, and some of you may be familiar with this, some of you may be not, not so familiar with this, but this is a transition of leadership. Um, in Joshua 1, from Moses to Joshua. And so here is Joshua 1, and I'm going to read from verse 1 to 9. And so please uh, give your attention to the reading of God's holy word. Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go." This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Today I have a word for the leaders, but it's actually a really good word for all of us. As we think about how we live out our calling that the Lord has given to us, a lot of the principles that are in today's sermon are actually applicable for all of us. Now, our service is kind of geared toward uh, the blessing of the elders, and so we're talking a lot about their calling to lead our church. But actually, this word is very pertinent for all of us because we all have a calling that we need these principles for. Um, The book of uh, Joshua, as I said, is a transitional book as the people of God are standing at the edge of the promised land, waiting to go into the promised land. And if you've never read um, Exodus, uh, Exodus is this great journey from God's people being slaves in Egypt to moving towards the promised land. And Moses, who led them all that way, is now gone. And now this transitional leadership is what Joshua is about, too. Uh, Joshua, son of Nun, the new leader of the Israelites. Now, the thing about the promised land um, is that it's what they have been waiting for for all of these years. They have been waiting for the promised land ever since that they were in chains in Egypt. You know, they have been waiting and traveling and waiting and traveling. This is something that God had planned for, prepared for, and promised to his people. And yet, the irony of the promised land is this. As they're looking into the promised land, it's occupied. It's occupied. It's not just open land. But there are peoples, cities, tribes, leaders, armies already inside of the promised land. And they're not looking at the Israelites coming in and saying to them, welcome. You know, welcome to our land. We've been waiting for you. 40 years it took you guys. We've been waiting for you. They're not saying that. These are lands and families that they have protected for generation after generation after generation. And they're not welcoming in the Israelites with open arms. In fact, the Israelites going in and being called to take these lands are going to be opposed very, very seriously. You see, the people who already live in the promised land, they're going to protect their land with their lives. They're protecting the land that their grandfathers took care of, that their fathers took care of, and they hoped one day to give to their kids. They're going to protect their families. They're going to protect their wives. They're going to protect all that they have with their life. They're going to put a fight in for their lives against the Israelites. And so the irony of the promised land is that although this is what God had promised to them, As they look into the promised land, the leaders of Israel are looking in with Joshua saying, this is awesome, but how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? Look at all these people, and they're going to be fighting for their lives. And we're this little nation. We're just these ordinary people. How are we going to do this? You know, the five elders um, who are about to be ordained, uh, not ordained, I keep saying that, I'm sorry. That's next year, okay? I'm going to say it a couple more times probably. Who are going to be established today are maybe feeling the same way. Stan, Chris, William, Ken, Brian, these five men may be feeling the same way right now. They may be feeling it's been a long journey two years of training to get here, all this preparation to come to this point to be established as the leaders of Mosaic. And as they look into this task, they say maybe in their hearts, this is a great honor and this is amazing. But how are we gonna do this? How are we gonna do this? And brothers and sisters, you may have that feeling in your lives. You may have certain callings that you're standing before right now and wondering how am I going to do this? Well, in Joshua 1, Here are some things that the Lord says to Joshua that we need to hear for us and we need to receive for us. The first thing that he calls him to is he says, be strong and courageous. Be strong. Secondly, he says, be with me. And lastly, he says, be in my word. So the three things that we'll look at quickly is be strong, be with, and be in And by looking at these things, brothers and sisters, we'll be able to bless our leaders. But hopefully, this is something that we can all take away as we think about our callings. Whatever you're sitting right in front of that you're going to enter into tomorrow. And you're thinking, how am I going to do this? You have to be strong. You have to be with. And you have to be in. Let's say a quick prayer together as we look at these three things from the word of God. Father, as we come to you, Father, we know that this word originally went to Joshua And I know that it was a long time ago, but Father, your word is living and active. And it's alive and ready to come to us. And it's ready to be heard by us, to be received by us, and for it to bear fruit in our lives. But Father, in between us and that is our hearts. and So I want to pray for all the hearts of the people who are worshiping Maybe some people are worshiping at home and they're still not just able to focus. It's been so hard this morning. Father, send the spirit to them. Send your helper to them so that they would be able to receive your word. I pray for the family today that's trying to worship but the kids are running around and it's just chaotic in their home. I pray, send your helper to them. I pray for the person who has a hard time today because they're so distracted even by sin. I pray that your spirit will go to them today. I pray, God, that today that you and your spirit would come and to remove the obstacles in between us and the living word that gives us life. And so, Father, I implore you, please help us. We really need your help and speak to us now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. First thing um, that we receive is this command, be strong and courageous. Let's read verse 6 and 7 again. It says this, be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Being careful to do all according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. As you open the book of Joshua, uh, you see that Joshua gets this command to be strong, this command to be courageous. Now, what you don't hear is God saying to Joshua, Joshua, I chose you because you are strong and courageous. No, I did not choose you because you are strong and courageous, although Joshua has a pretty good resume. That's not why he chose Joshua. He says, Joshua, I have chosen you. Now I command you, be strong and courageous. Now, as we hear that, we kind of have to define what he means by that, right? We have to understand what he's talking about because not all strength is created equal and not all courage is created equal. If you think about it, Satan is very strong. Satan is very courageous. He has, in some ways, both of those traits, right? Satan, in some ways, is stronger than us. And Satan, in many ways, he's brave, He had enough courage to defy the true and living God who he saw with his own eyes. I would say that that requires some level of bravery. And yet, as you sit back, you realize, but that's not the kind of strength, and that's not the kind of courage that I want to embody in my life. So what's the difference? What's the strength and the courage that God is calling us towards? I just finished a year, not a year, um, I finished uh, my devotions in Joshua. And I've been slowly going through Joshua Um, In my devotions. And I think that, as best as I could tell from what I see at the beginning of Joshua and all the way through as they conquer the lands, what strength and courage means according to God in Joshua are these two things. I think he's calling Joshua to be bold in obedience, faithful in heart. Be bold in obedience, faithful in heart. And I think that that definition of strength and courage, when you track it through the book of Joshua, you see consistently that's what God is calling Joshua to. Be bold in the way that you obey my commands. And you see this in this passage as well. He keeps saying command, command, command. Be bold in obeying my command, my calling, and also be faithful in your heart. And you see, that's what he is calling us to. It's important that we see that because there's so many different definitions of courage and strength. And we're trying to grab onto something in our lives to try to understand what courage and strength means. And for all of us, I wonder, if I said, who in your life is strong and courageous, who would you think of? Maybe some of you think of your parents, maybe. Or somebody that you know in your own personal life. But if you think about it, it's actually really difficult to come up with a model of strength and courage in your life. Somebody who obeys God, but with boldness and has faithfulness in their heart. Who is strong and courageous in your life. And I think that because we lack so many models of strength and courage, we latch onto whatever we could get, even if they're not real people. You know recently uh, many of you guys know I grew up in Philly and recently I went back to Philly uh, with my wife and I was kind of showing her around Philly a little bit and you know the most famous statue, the statue that everybody wants to go to in Philly is what? Not the Liberty Bell right? Because the Liberty Bell is so boring. I don't know if you've ever been there. I was sent on field trips to the Liberty Bell over and over again when I was little, um, because it was kind of the local thing. The Liberty Bell is so boring. It's like nobody really wants to go to the Liberty Bell, but you feel like you should go to the Liberty Bell. What's the statue that people actually want to go see in Philadelphia? Rocky, everybody wants to go see the Rocky statue, right? That's the statue that you actually wanna go and take a picture in front of and you wanna run up the steps. And they used to put the Rocky statue on top of the, the art museum steps, but they moved it to the side. And I showed um, Hime uh, the Rocky statue and I drove up to it and I said, this is the statue. That... And even when it was cold outside and we went there, there were people still taking pictures in front of it, running up the steps and down the steps. And um, one of the things that we said was, what's funny is, this is the statue that everybody wants to come and visit. But Rocky Balboa wasn't even a real person. It was made for a movie. It was made for Rocky III. If you've never seen the Rockies, oh, I feel so bad for you. It's, they're so, so good. Please go watch them. Um, but it's a fictional person, right? And yet, you, what, everybody who goes to Philly kind of gravitates towards Rocky Why? Because I think that he embodies something that we aspire to. I think that he embodies something that we want to be as well. If you know his story, he came from nothing. And he became champion. And just his grit and his ability to to, uh, persevere in the midst of trial, when he had nothing to start with, I think a lot of people gravitate towards that story. And yet the pitfall of using Rocky Balboa as your model for strength and courage is this. Rocky was essentially in it for himself. Essentially in it for himself. If you, read the, if you watch the Rocky movie, there's that pivotal moment the night before the fight, and he says to Adrian, Adrian, if I could just go the distance with Apollo Creed, who's the, uh, the champion at the time, if I could just go the distance, I'll know I'm not a bum. Everybody in my life has been calling me a bum. But if I could just go the distance with the champion of the world, I know that I'm not a bum. I know that maybe I'm somebody. All of his aspirations were fueled by this motivation to validate himself. And that's where I think using Rocky Balboa, right? Rocky IV is my favorite movie of all time. But still, using Rocky Balboa as kind of the model of strength and courage falls apart. Because when you look at scripture, as a Christian, you and me, as as those who know Jesus Christ, as we look at scripture and try to understand what strength and courage is, we realize it's not about validating ourselves. But that's often the model that you get in this world. It's not about following your heart. It's about following the Lord. It's about obeying the Lord in the midst of challenge and opposition It's to be bold in obedience, faithful in heart. Bold in your obedience. When you know this is what the Lord has said and has called us to, strength is to be bold in obeying what God has called us to be. Now, Elder Alex, I want to tell you that when you come into leadership, you're not going to know everything that is going to happen at Mosaic next year, and you won't know exactly what to do in every situation. You know, the Lord never tells us exactly what to do in every situation. The Lord never told us that there was going to be a pandemic this year. And we won't know what's going to happen next year. And many of us struggle with questions right now. Some of you, I know that in our own congregation, are struggling with moving Should I move here or there? There's a job opportunity here. There's something here. And you're wondering, what does God want me to do? You're thinking about moving jobs. You're thinking about pursuing a relationship. And you're wondering, what's God's will? What does he want me to do? That's a question that as a pastor, you run into in people's lives again and again and again. But one of the passages that has really helped me in my life and steer my thinking, and I hope to give this to you, is Deuteronomy 29, 29. Something worthwhile writing in your notes. Deuteronomy 29, 29 is where God says this. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us. Let me read that to you again. It says, the secret things... Belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed are revealed belong to us and our children forever. You know what that means? God is saying, There are some things I'm not going to tell you. There are some things I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you this is definitely the person to marry. This is definitely the time to have children. This is definitely the job to take. I'm not going to tell you everything. The secret things belong to the Lord. And yet, there are things I have said to you. My children, there are things that I have said to you and told you already. The things that are revealed to you, I've already told you. And those things, you have to own it. You have to own what I've said to you. And you have to obey the things that I've said to you with boldness. You see, he's not going to tell you what to do. Elder Alex, next year. He's not going to tell you how long the pandemic's going to go. He's not going to tell you how to transition Mosaic when the pandemic is over. The secret things belong to the Lord. And yet, there are things that you and I have already been told. And we know them, and we've received them. And in those things, you cannot waver in following through. You know things already. God has already spoken to you. Elder Alex, you know what he's already said to you. You know that he said to you, shepherd the flock of God. You know he's already said to you, pray ceaselessly. You know he's already said to you, strive for unity in the church. You know he's already said to you, bring your church into mission with God. Always have God first and foremost in your marriage and in your family and in your home. These things God says, I told you. Don't go looking for the secret things. The things that are revealed to you, you must own and obey with great boldness in your heart. You see, when God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous, that's what he means. Bold in obedience when opposition comes. And brothers and sisters of the church, I want to tell you as well, even if you're not a leader in our church, you're not going to know everything that's going to happen And even in all your decisions, God may not send you a definite sign. Because some secret things belong to the Lord. But I want to tell you that he has said enough to you so that you can be strong and courageous in those decisions. In whatever you decide, you can be strong and courageous. And the things that he has put at the level of conviction in your heart, do those things with boldness. You know what he said to you. He said to you, have a heart of worship. He said to you, have a commitment to prayer, to have a sacrificial approach to community. Don't be a consumer of your church. Love your wife as your own body. Wives, love your husbands. Teach your children the word of God. Do not live in sin and don't let sin live in you. I know you're thinking about what job, what place, what person, but I've said things to you that I want you to carry out. Be bold in obedience. Don't live in sin and don't let sin thrive and live in you. I've said there are certain things to you already. Do these things with boldness. Follow through with boldness. Be strong and courageous. This is a word for us all. But I want to especially encourage the elder Alex, as you look into 2021 and you think about leading next year, here's the call to you. Be strong and courageous. There are things that you know already in the midst of all that you don't know. Do those things courageously. Do those things with boldness. Now, how we do that will be powered by being with God. He called us to be strong and courageous. But another thing that he emphasizes over and over again to Joshua in this passage is, be strong and courageous, Joshua. I will be with you. He says it over and over again. Read verse 3 with me. Be with God. Look at verse 3. It says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Just as I promised to Moses. Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. The Lord is with you wherever you go in verse 9. It's almost as if he's really trying to convince, uh, what's his name? Joshua. (laughs) (laughs) I should know that one. Yeah. His name is Joshua. He's, it's almost as if he's trying to convince Joshua. Like it's almost unbelievable for Joshua to believe that God would be with him the way that God was with Moses. There was like a mental block, right? Because he saw everything that God did in being with Moses. And there's some kind of mental block in him that thinks, I know you were with Moses. Of course you were with Moses. That's Moses. But I'm just Josh, And maybe he doesn't believe that that kind of power can be with him. But God is trying to break through the mental block. Hey, look, just as I was with Moses, I promise I'll be with you. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I am with you. And it, what the sense that I get in this passage is that God wants to reassure Joshua of that because he wants to get to the next question for Joshua. As I read this, the question is not so much, is God going to be with Joshua? That is certain because God's promises are sure. But I think the question that God wants to get to in Joshua's heart is, Joshua, I promise you, I'm going to be with you. The question is... Are you going to be with me? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I promise. Never. But my question is, are you going to stay with me? I think that's a, that's a lingering question in all of our lives. We know that Jesus Christ The Holy Spirit and God the Father has promised and paid to be with us. The question that's constantly lingering with us is, are we going to be with him? You see, for Joshua, the immediate history of Israel rests upon the answer to that question. Is Joshua going to be with God? God is going to be with him, but is Joshua going to be with God? And the immediate consequences of what's going to happen to Israel rests upon Joshua's diligent devotion to God. It rests upon that, upon his diligent devotion, his habits of faithfulness to God. Because we've seen in the Old Testament what happens when kings walk away from God. When men walk away from God, what happens? The question is not so much, is God going to be with him? But what's Joshua going to do in this relationship? Is he going to be with God? Israel, in its immediate consequences, will rise and fall, On Joshua's devotion not ultimate not ultimate consequences not the ultimate um, goal and the ultimate destination of Israel is set God is going to take care of them protect them he's going to bring them through but the immediate consequences of what happens to Israel is going to rise and fall on whether Joshua is going to be with God and Elder Alex I want to bring that word to you you know ultimately God's going to take care of our church No matter what, he's going to make sure that we're okay. He's going to guide us through because he has died for us and we're his bride, and he's never going to throw his wife away. But the immediate consequences of what is going to happen to our church in the next few years will rest upon the heart and devotion of our leaders. And God asks us I promise to be with you, Mosaics leaders. Believers, will you be with me? In the habit of your faithfulness, what habits do you have in your life? In the diligence of your devotion, will you be with me? The only way you'll be strong and courageous, bold in obedience, heart of faithfulness, is you got to be with me too. I promise I'll be with you, but you got to be with me. And lastly, the way that that's going to happen is not only do they have to be with God, but the way that they, they have to be with God is they have to be in. They have to be in the word of God. Let's read uh, verse 8 together. God gives us a picture of what this diligence of devotion looks like. You know, be with God, what does that mean? It looks like this in Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. What God is saying is that the word of God needs to course through the heart and veins of his leader. Now think about this situation. The situation is this. Joshua has the same kind of relationship with God as Moses did, meaning he could just go up to the tent of meeting and meet with God. He has a relationship that we don't have in that he can go to a tent of meeting and meet with God and talk to God at any time that God desires to show up. If you think about that, and then you think about this command, if you were Joshua, wouldn't you think, but God, if I have a question, can I just come ask you? It's like I have your phone number. You know, can I just ask you if I have a question? Can I just ask you for wisdom? You know, you and I we talk all the time. So, why do I have to memorize the Bible? Why do I have to memorize your word? Why do I have to keep it on my tongue day and night? I mean, can I just come ask you stuff? God preempts that question by saying no. Even though you and I meet like that. That's not the kind of leader I want you to be. You see, I don't want you to be the kind of leader that's empty but has access to God. I want you to be filled with the word. See, I want you to be filled with my words so that in any moment you may know what I'm thinking, what my desires are. I don't want you to just get the right answers. But I want you to be filled with my word. And that's why the book of the law should never depart from your mouth. It should always be at the tip of your tongue. The picture that I get of Joshua that God is calling him to, the picture I get is that all throughout, you know, being a leader, I'm sure he has to take meetings and he has to deal with issues and problems. And the picture I get is that he wants Joshua to be constantly muttering the word under his breath constantly meditating, even though he's doing all this work that he's kind of like muttering um, kind of strangely under his breath, you know, as he's, you know, taking these questions in these meetings and he's thinking, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. My presence will go with you. My presence will go with you. I will give you rest. The Lord is compassionate. The Lord is compassionate, gracious. He is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Be holy as I am holy. Seek the Lord with all your heart and I will be found. You shall have no other gods before me. He's like muttering the word of God constantly in his his heart. You shall have no other gods before me. He He is compassionate, slow to anger. He saved us out of Egypt. He is our God and he is the one that wants our glory and praise. And what was your question? You see, it... He's filling himself up with the word of God. You shall never let the book of the law depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. It needs to echo in your soul constantly. If you are going to lead my people, it has to echo inside of you. The book of the law, it should never leave your mouth, Joshua. But you shall meditate on it day and night. Elders. I want to remind you that the way that you are with God in all of us, the way that we are with God is in his word. His word needs to resonate with us. And, you know, some of you guys know that I love to read leadership books. I I read pretty much like every leadership book that I could get my hands on. And if there is a secret, I think to godly leadership, um, I don't like the word secret because it seems like, you know, it's hard to find out. I think it's just hard to do. But I think if there is a secret to godly leadership, I think it's this, that real godly leadership, it happens when nobody's looking. You know, most of the heavy lifting of being a godly leader, nobody sees. I think that's what makes it hard to do, especially if you have a heart that wants to please people. And that's where you get your energy. I think the hard thing is that that becoming a godly leader, you don't initially get that adrenaline shot of pleasing people because most of the heavy lifting is done in secret. When nobody's looking. Because it's to form yourself as a godly leader. And nobody really sees that, you know. I think that that's what's hard. Is that it's done outside of the public eye. Because the truth of the matter is that none of us are born godly leaders. Some of us are born gifted leaders. Some of us are born gifted communicators. Some of us are born, you know, skilled in thinking, all that. But I don't think anybody is born a godly leader. Nobody is a godly leader by nature. We only become godly leaders by second nature, our second nature, not in our flesh in our first nature. You're born speaking well, thinking well, acting well. But we become godly leaders in our second nature, in the spirit. And that's not done in front of people most of the time. If there's a secret, I think that that might be it, is that we are formed into godly leaders. And that happens in the spirit most of the time out of sight. Jesus' phrasing, I think, is you must be born again. You can't just lead from the personality traits that you have, from the MBA that you got, maybe the degrees that you have. You have to be reborn. Not by your nature. Nobody's a godly leader by nature. You must be reborn into a godly leader. You may be attractive to a lot of people. You may be pretty smart. But nobody's a godly leader at the beginning. If you want proof for that, read Romans. Read Romans. It says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us come near to God's, um, you know, his uh, call to us. We must be reborn, remade, transformed into godly leaders. And you do that inside of the word of God, muttering to yourself, echoing the word of God in you, the things that he has told us in his word. Elder Alex, I want to tell you that if you want to be a good leader for us, you have to know that it's not done in front of us. It's not even done in our private elders' meetings. It's going to be done when nobody's watching. The book of the law shall never depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. See, he's calling Joshua day and night morning and evening, when nobody's watching. You want to be strong and courageous, Josh? You have to let the word of God resonate in you. You have to be with me. I promise I'll be with you. The question is, are you going to be with me? And the way that you are with me is don't just meet me at the tent of meeting, you know? When we have our meetings, don't wait for P. Dave to lead you in a devotion you have to let the book of the law resonate in your heart. Then you will become a, goodly leader, a godly leader as I have commanded you to become. And brothers and sisters, even if you're not leaders in our church, in that message, you have the message that you need to understand how can I live out my calling in a godly way. He's told you what he calls you to in his word. You have to let the word resonate in you day and night. But before I close and go to communion, I have a quick word for our church, not just for our elders. Um, you know, you guys have a big part in helping the elder elects and helping me as we lead the church. Um, and the big role that you guys have is in your prayers and support for the leaders. You know, if you go to Acts 4, Peter and John have been arrested They've been arrested for preaching the word of God and they're bringing um, them into trial and now they're standing before all the people who arrested them, right? And they're given a chance to say a defense on their own behalf. And in Acts 4.13, this is what it says. John and Peter, they stand up and they give a defense for themselves and in verse 13 it says, now when they, everybody saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated common folks, and they were astonished. You see, they were wondering, what what makes these guys so confident? What makes them so bold? What makes them so willing to die for what God has told them? Because they're not educated. They're not powerful. They're common, regular, everyday folks. And they were astonished that they were so bold And it says, and they recognized, not that they were smart, not that they had great personalities, not that they were great leaders by nature. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. You see, not only that Jesus had been with them, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, but the boldness came from, they recognized that they were also with Jesus. And through their defense, They are released. But then when they are released, church, you know what they do? The first thing that they do? They go running to their church. And they ask their church, will you guys pray for us? Please pray for us. And they knew that that's where power came from. And so in verse 31, it says, when they had prayed, the church lays hands and prays for these leaders. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken. Shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. You see, the leaders knew something. The leaders knew that their boldness came not only from God's command to be strong and courageous, not only from being with God, not only from the word of God, but lastly, they knew that their boldness came from knowing that not only that God was with them, but that their church was with them. That their church was behind them. That their church and their members were willing to lay hands on them and pray for them for boldness. And they knew that. You guys, I don't know, do you know that feeling of knowing that your church is behind you? The feeling that the church is praying for you and that the church is with you. Oh, it's tremendous strength, guys. And I could t- testify to that from personal experience. It's tremendous strength. To know my church is with me, praying for me. That gives you boldness. I ask you guys as a church, please be with your elders. Please be with them and please give them strength. Because they're just regular folks like you and me. Common folks like us. And they need our prayers. And if we do that, then we'll empower them so that they could be strong and courageous so that they could be with God, as God is with them, so they can have the word living in them and knowing that the church is behind them. That's my dream of the kind of eldership that we can have at our church. And uh, we're on our way, but I ask for your support and blessing upon these elder elects as we bless them today. Let's bow our heads in prayer as we go to the communion table. Brothers and sisters, I I pray that you would have received something from Joshua 1 for you. Something for you. As God says, not only to his leaders, but to all of us in what I have called you to be strong and be courageous. Let's spend a moment in prayer before we come to the Lord's table.